Hey, nice microphone. Dude, top of the line, top of the crime. That's what they say. It's amazing how many things people say that rhyme. You know, just like the best adages, the best little bits of life advice. It's all about the rhyme. That's how you know that it's real. What's another good rhyme? Uh, don't cross the road if you don't want to go. If you don't want to buy the toad. This, I mean, I've heard variants. I've heard it both ways. Um, have you heard this one? If you don't go to the lake, you won't eat the cake. I don't think I have heard that one. What does that what? one mean? What do you think it means, Nick? Um, okay, if you don't go to the lake, you won't eat the cake. Is that right? It's it's yeah yeah. If you're thinking metaphorically, you've gone too far. Okay, it's it's <laughs> yeah. very literal. It is a literal translation. Okay, so there's it's, a cake at a lake. Got to be there to eat it. It's basically it's directions. So this is <laughs> this is great cake shop. Um, and basically, if you haven't gotten yet to the cake uh, to the lake, then you you haven't uh, gone far enough. It's like a it's a um it's on a birthday party invitation. Just like basic guest <laughs> yeah. directions. Here's where we are. Be there four o'clock. There'll be right. cake. There'll be lake. There'll be lake. Yeah. Um, there, oh, there was one more. I reckon you told me one once that really resonated with me. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you remember that? What you. that was? Yeah, I do. That... Uh, it was. Don't leave the ship if you don't have both hips. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it stuck with you for a reason. I think it's because it's got the. There's like the extra levels to it. I mean, we, that, we can all kind of interpret it on the face of it, but what do you get out of it, like, in terms of the the deeper meanings there? I mean, that was especially um, powerful to me, especially uh, when you, I mean, you told me that immediately after, after my hip replacement yeah, surgery. Ten years ago today. And, uh, and, um, well, what was it again? If you don't go on the ship. No, don't, don't get off the ship. Don't get off the ship. If you don't have both hips. Um, I, I like. I know that you're just like having a bit of a goof there because it is obviously something that does matter to you and that you've remembered. Um, but yeah, it's worth repeating, I guess, for for those of the listeners who aren't, you know, yeah. up to date on it. Yeah. And I booked a cruise the next day. Yeah. Which is so, and I know, I basically never got off that ship. It's a bit of a sad story. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. But not all. Um, rhymes are fun. Yeah, yeah which is no. which is another rhyme. Uh, Not all. If it's if sometimes a rhyme isn't fun. Welcome yeah. to Deep Forward, everybody. Um, just a little bit of you know, little literary, little 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 literary advice. Just a little literary advice is what it is. Uh, sitting through the internet with me today, Marcus Zabrecki. Say hi, Marcus Zabrecki. Hi. Hello. How are you? I missed you. Where are you? I want you. Come back to me, my baby girl. California. <laughs> you know uh, Jason Schwartzman played the drums in that band? I didn't know that. I did not know that. Uh, and my name is Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. Great audio quality this week, Michael. Just already, I can hear it in my ears. Just, I'm on board. Don't count your chickens, mate. <laughs> you keep uh, fiddling with things almost as if you're unsatisfied with the current status of 
recording. I'm just very nervous that you bought me a microphone and uh, I, uh, I'm i not going to do it right. <laughs> well, it can only be up from here, so I'm very excited. Again, not true. So, bit of a week, eh? Bit of a week. Was it? Strange things happening in the world out there. Okay. Kanye West. Kanye West. Claiming slavery didn't happen. Which it didn't. Donald Glover coming back and being like, yeah, it did. (laughs) And then just like dancing. Yeah. That was in the same week. Yes. Stormy Daniels was on SNL. Yeah. With Donald Glover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I literally just watched the um, Donald Glover. He did a performance of This Is America. Uh. This is America. Uh, man, that's a fucking powerful song. So good. It is very good. I don't um, think I can say it, sing it though. I don't. I don't think it'd so. be a cultural appropriation if I did. Yeah. Plus, you should put your top back on. But also, yeah. <laughs> I'll si- I can silently hum to it. But if I sing along to it, then it's cultural appropriation. I think you could nod along to it as well. Like if it, someone was playing nearby, you can definitely just like yeah, just sort of like a, a, a sort of a quiet agreement from the corner. Yeah, but if an African-American person looks at me, I'll just have to stop and just stare at them. And just shake your head And just be like, oh, so bad, isn't it? The treatment. Save slavery's. (laughs) Slavery's a a myth. Why did Kanye West say slavery was a... Wait, no, he said it was... He said slavery was a choice. But he, yeah, he said it was a choice. That's taken out of context. It lasted for 400 years. Taken out of context, though, sure. What do you mean taken out of context? I mean, I haven't read the original, but I assumed it was taken out of context. Cause... No, that was just him but... basically being like, why did no one fucking... There was more of us than there was of them, so why didn't they stand up and fight and stop slavery? No, don't make that fucking noise. <laughs> hey, there, there, there are good people on both sides. But... <laughs> oh, God. No, uh, he's a completely illiterate, crazy person. Kanye 2020. Kanye 2020. Oh, man. Um, Jordan Peterson, eh? Thoughts? Yay. Sniff your hands. Yeah, I got hair gel on him. Smells good. Smells like jelly beans. Why does your hair just smell like jelly beans? Because I bought, you know, cheap hair gel. (laughs) I just went to the chemist. And there was like diabetes medication, and I thought, "Yep, perfect. Just rub that, <laughs> grind, rub that. grind that down into a paste." I'm not going to eat the black ones. Might as well just oh. pop that aniseed fragrance Nick. all the way through my hair. Nick, what? Come on. Are you going to make a kind of sexual black ones joke? I'll edit that out. <laughs> you can do that now. You can actually edit out your own audio track for posterity before you send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> pre, pre cut the bits out. Yeah, when you sync it up, it'll. I'll. Yeah. I'll just have. It'll be like seven and a half minutes shorter. Mm. Oh man. Oh man. Cool. Oh man. Love it all. Jordan Peterson. You. You're not like we had a semi fight at like eight a.m. my time. We didn't. Ign- you didn't acknowledge <laughs> the fact that it was fucking seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> it wasn't a semi fight. And actually, I was surprised because I messaged you at eight my time, and you responded. It was like six a.m. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't get what your hours are because it's very confusing for me that you seem to be basically awake at any time, <laughs> um, and I just don't understand how that's possible. 
Um, I just happened to be awake, and then I got up, and you infuriated me, so I couldn't get back to sleep. <laughs> That's I ruined your morning. I'm sorry. Um, you didn't. I love to be infuriated. Sometimes. Yeah, it's actually your default emotion. <laughs> just gleeful rage. Yeah, it is true, though. Um, so you think he's a misogynist. Should we give a bit of background no, as to who Jordan yeah, Peterson is? Yeah, go, go into it. We, we talked a, a little bit about Jordan Peterson previously. Jordan Peterson... Peterson was uh, brought up maybe four episodes ago at the top of um, one of our podcasts um, when you explained that you'd sort of fallen into a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole with him. And we had a discussion about whether or not he was right or what his argument was about using the pronouns of trans people, yeah. which um, I found a little bit objectionable. Mm-hmm. Um, but at up to that point, I had not really... Um, spent much time delving into his stuff and you had professed yourself a bit of a fan, but had also said at that time that there were some things that you didn't agree with of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at, in that I off podcast expressed a little bit of hesitation about him. Um, and you encouraged me to look into it further, um, uh, before, uh, forming conclusions, which was a valid suggestion. So I have, I have watched probably, an hour and a half or two hours, which really? is barely scratching the surface, but um, has given me some first-hand experience with some of his lectures and that sort of stuff. Did you, did um, you disagree with all of it? Sorry, that was far away. No, no. And that's that was my broad stroke, but I was going to let you um, sort of set the stage from your perspective about what it is that you think he does well and what um, sort of perspectives he offers. Well, basically, I think the, the first thing is I just think that he... Um, speaks the truth that he's not that he doesn't have an agenda and he's speaking from a uh, a psychological he's a psychologist like a social psychologist maybe he's not a social counselor he's, he's speaking from a scientific point of view and a lot of his audience is men young men um and he's and his kind of mantra is pick yourself up um stop complaining you're not the stop think, telling yourself you're the victim and take control of your life. Part of that is also, I mean, we you did mention before the the trans transgender pronouns. He wasn't actually refusing to call people. Um, just to clarify, he wasn't he wasn't refusing to call transgender people by the pronouns that they wanted. In fact, he actually in his classes he did use those pronouns. He objected to. Uh, the government imposing those as mandatory um, laws that everyone had to follow. He thought that was a a violation of free speech. Cool. And uh, to to give a little bit of background, he's a a Canadian psychologist, as you said. He's, I think, at the University of Toronto, um, and he'd been doing lectures and things, which I gather he probably had a little bit of esteem within the university or within a certain section of the university, but they started to be posted on YouTube and collected and, and he built up a bit of a following. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think he's recently published a book or somewhat recently published a book. Yeah. Um, and has only 12, seen 12 rules of life. Um, if anyone wants to buy me a birthday present, I'd love it. Um, and, uh, so has seen his popularity grow, um, and with that has come controversy as 
some of his positions have seen him clash with, um, I guess I would say mostly liberals. Definitely liberals, um, the radical left. He described himself as a centrist. Is that what you've said? Yeah, I would say so. Um, He's been hijacked a little bit by the by the right because he does have some conservative, or what he does have some views that have previously been conservative. Um, and probably what like things like we'll talk about like um, you know having a quality of opportunity rather than quality of outcome. Sure. Um, yeah. So that that's if if no one's actually deep dive into him, <laughs> I, I suppose that's a little bit of context for it. Um, so when you rightfully said that, uh, so, oh, and the other thing that happened this week was there was a uh, article in the Guardian, um, sort of giving a bit of an overview about this guy. Um, I think with the uh, context of his book being upcoming or recently released. So it was a bit of a, um, a background uh, of him in that way, which was, was an article that I read. The Washington Post, right? Not The Guardian? Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was The Washington Post. Um, uh, and so that was something that I'd also seen and read. Um, yeah, that- so... It, my um, when I started to uh, watch a few of his videos, and th- there's everything from kind of like stadiums of TED Talk style, um, speaking to the thousands, down to um, terribly produced, low res like video lecture stuff that's been taken out of a classroom. Um, but what I quickly discovered was that he is a very persuasive and charismatic. Um, speaker he he carries the room um, and despite his uh, often uh, tangential approach to uh, making a point you're sort of with him the whole way through you know he's a very good storyteller in that respect Um, and so it is very easy to um, sort of sit down and sink into his stuff and I understand why he's become such a um, compelling figure in a certain sect of people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, up front, the, the reaction that I had was one that there were certainly things that I agreed with that he said. Um, and I think your um, positioning of him as, or uh, your summation of what he standard for, stands for um, in terms of uh, stop seeing yourself as a victim and pick yourself up and 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 make changes yourself is for the most part a relatively valid approach. Um, I guess my underlying um, skepticism beneath all that is still just kind of hinging on the question of isn't he just basically another self-help like guru guy isn't he just whatever next version of you know the secret is with slightly more scientific rigor and a slightly different target demographic but at the end of the day he's presenting an ethos and a methodology to a subset of people to help them be better um well there's nothing wrong with that i mean well i mean that's that's just i mean that's that's not i don't think that's his intention well it it may have become that now, but that certainly wasn't his intention 
uh, when he started. I mean, you outlined before he 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 started doing starting doing lectures, and they they gained a following because they were somewhat pr- provocative, or people thought they were pr- provocative, and and that's how he started ga- gaining a following. But I don't think I, I mean I don't think he's he's in it to 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 um. I mean, maybe as a psychologist, you are you. I mean, you have to do that anyway. You you are a, a self help kind of guru in a way, but um, I don't think that's his goal. I think his his goal is to to tell people the truth, and that's part of his appeal. Because but, I mean, he just released a book called "The Twelve Secrets to a Successful Life" or whatever, like twelve steps. If you took yes. that out of context and out of if you didn't know who it was by, you saw that on a shelf. Like that's a self-help book. Yes, but so what? Yeah, you're trying to discredit him based based on the fact that he's a self-help. No, I'm just I'm I'm trying to uh, take him off the pedestal a little bit and 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 bring like and but how suggest how, it just because he's approaching it from a science background versus like a holistic or a like spiritual background. I'm I'm I, I'm not sure that there's. Um, a distinction to be made there, and I'm not disparaging people for whom it's helpful. I'm just uh, like I don't think he needs to be well, uh, such a figurehead. I mean, it's he didn't, yeah, but he just didn't. He's not like Tony Robbins. He didn't set out to be a figurehead. He's attracted a following based on. I mean, there is a there. Yeah, sure. There is a, like a certain cultishness to it. I would say that that's probably more of a more of an accurate um, ref metaphor for him. It's more of a cult than it is about self help. <laughs> He's more of a messiah, Nick. <laughs> a preacher on the hill, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that the main reason is that okay. Now this is this is where it's going to get. This is probably going to get hairy for you and me, and for a lot of people, and people, why people find him controversial, because this is the fact that the reason why he's become popular with young men is because young men are repeatedly being told that they don't have a voice, right? And especially, and I know, I I, I almost think it myself when it comes out of my mouth, but when you say especially. Um, White men, um, young white men, they're, they're increasingly being told that they don't have a voice. And I think a lot of young men are also find it, find it difficult, more so, than, more so than young women. They find it difficult to um, find motivation, to find direction in their lives. And I think he is, he is kind of a father figure in a way where, where he... His his well his message is almost that of a of a father where society it feels like is telling you constantly you're fine just the way you are um, and you know you're you're you know you should embrace your um, your your flaws and your um, your mistakes and all all these things that you are. But it, but I think for a lot of young men, it doesn't feel that way. I don't, it doesn't feel right, and they they know in themselves that it that it's wrong, or something is that wrong, and that is wrong. That they need to actually change themselves. Yes, yes. Or that, that society that it, is treating that them wrong. No, I don't. 
I don't think society is necessarily treating them wrong. I think society, society is inadvertently sending them the message, maybe not inadvertently, that they don't that they don't have as much of a voice as they maybe think that they, that they should have. But um, in conjunction with that, they are also being told that, um, and this is what I spoke to you about before, that they are also the victim, and um, you know that if something's gone if something's gone wrong in their lives that that it's not necessarily a fault i think that's also another message that society inadvertently puts out to young men and he's and jordan peterson comes along and basically says look you might be you might be a lazy lazy asshole stop complaining and it's not necessarily a negative message either it's actually a positive one because he's he also tells you how you can get out of that if you are you know just willing to take a good hard look in the mirror i just i mean when my description then just made him sound a lot like self help <laughs> i'm also i'm also just quietly i got given this book and this is this is hilarious I was just staring at this title while... Can you read that? <laughs> oh, yes. Please uh, please tell the audience what so you have. I got given this by my, by my housemate, and I need to be a bit quiet because she's literally in the next room. And I don't want to. I've, she gave me this because we had a chat about something, and she's very spiritual. Um, the book is called Practicing the Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment. Now I haven't read it. I don't know if I will. Um, but yeah, should at least crack the, it crack the pages open. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, oh god, wait, look. Let's let's save that. Let's save that for the end because I feel like okay. we get too. I'll read a passage from. Up. I'll read a passage from that later. Yeah, um, everyone, stay frosty because at the end we'll get you some power for now. <laughs> I love that. Stay frosty. Um, the uh, one of my. Uh, responses to what you're saying about the... Uh, I, okay. I think you're correct that one of the uh, things that has made him popular with men is the fact that it is, and with young white men, is is exactly the things that he talked about, that you just mentioned. I do find it slightly confusing that his message is both uh, stop being the victim, but you're sort of describing him or describing the audience uh, sorry the demographics perception that they're being told their voice is not worth it right so i don't do you think that he disagrees with that but that's what they feel because that's kind of like you get what i'm saying which is that that's a victim mentality isn't it feeling that like you don't have a voice yeah is that saying that that peterson is trying to get them to stop believing um that's a good point that um, I mean, I have heard him say that, but uh, from from a almost from a like a, he's almost said clinically that it's just it's just a fact that um, it's a fact of the times that young men, young white men especially, don't have um, much of a voice. Um, don't I don't have know. Or don't feel like they have. Sorry, don't feel like. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually thought about that specifically. It's a good point. Um, the, the whole don't feel like they have a voice thing. I mean, I think we sort of touched on this. I don't even think we touched on it necessarily in the Jordan Peterson conversation a couple of a month ago, whenever it was. Um, but I think I have previously said that my perspective on that is is not that they're, they have any less of an opportunity for a voice than before. It's just that everyone else is getting more of a chance to have a say as well. So instead of being able to be the only voice in the room, they're now being told to give space to others. And no, that's think... why it feels like they have less of a voice, but really it's just a... Yeah, I, I don't change of perspective. I don't agree with that. I think because I think you hear um, it, it is it is leftist media usually, and, and probably radical left. If you do you follow junkie or pedestrian or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, I keep an eye on it. Yeah. So you, you'll see things like, um, um, you know, I don't know. You'll see headlines like, uh, can. Can all the can all the can all the straight or like oh here we go, sorry, um, oh great another straight white male, um giving their thoughts, or um, uh, can can all the men can all the straight white men just shut the fuck up and things like that. Sorry, I'm just gonna, I just want to look this up because I feel like we're just building a straw man if we. Are making up lit like not making up I'd say maliciously but if we're just trying to think of type in junkie because junkie junkie will yeah all right here's a couple examples uh, junkie headline this art isn't for you why white men need to stay in their lane uh, that's a that, that's a pretty good example that's a pretty good example um, it's the only one I can see, but nevertheless, it is it is a true it's, example. It's it's a I think I mean it might I mean it doesn't matter, but I think um, I mean look we've talked about this before. I understand that there is an over and look, uh, straight white men have had have had way too good of a run of late, and we've talked before about the overcorrection the or the correction. What has become probably an overcorrection, and maybe even the overcorrection is necessary in itself. That that is necessary for us to um, level the playing field, but uh, that doesn't that doesn't discount the fact that in amongst in in that change, uh, the men, the young men that are going through that period, are uh, would feel like they don't have a voice. Right, even though the long term, um, and like even though the long term goal of that is, um, maybe a noble one. Yeah, uh, I mean, just for the uh, context of what that article was actually about, um, the there's basically three points that this article makes. Uh, one privilege is something that needs to be acknowledged, um, and this is specifically in the context of art that is not made for the enjoyment of white men in particular. Um, two, if you're writing about these issues, handle them with respect. Uh, 
uh, and three, sometimes you need to give up your seat. So it's actually not saying that in all cases and in any, even in some of those things where it's not made for you or it's not targeting you, um, you're not allowed to speak. It's just talking about context with which to approach it. Um, but, what, but 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 then that is a poor choice of words to say. Stay in your lane. I mean, would yeah, you I, would you say that to any other bait. demographic? It's clickbait um, headline. But you, the, I mean, that's kind of the point. Is that you wouldn't say it to any other demographic because it's the majority. Um, like it, it, it's it's kind of not equal. So the um, I I think that it is certainly val- like I think white men have the same. Um, straight white men have the same um, right to express their opinions as anyone else. But what is it, what is the actual substantive uh, discussion that they want to have that they feel like they're not being able to say? Can you give me an example of some of the things that they're not not allowed to express? Let me think about that for a second. Um. <clears throat> I can't really think of anything uh, that there any conversation that they're necessarily excluded from um, or I, I can't think of anything now no I guess that but that is relatively meaningful from my perspective, if there's nothing that you're like, why can't we just talk about X? Yes. And it's not like... But it's more about everyone should be uh, able to talk about everything. But exactly. But you're not able to give me an example of something that you're not able to talk about. Yeah, but on the the spot. um... Sure. But, I I mean, I I, I think if it was like, uh, you know, I think a woman would be able to say, we're not able to tell the you know men in parliament the way that the female reproductive system is being uh, biased against in the funding of um, contraceptive devices and condoms are free but like the pill is not or you know something like that there'd be a topic that they feel like they can't get into and the fact that there's nothing sort of imminently sitting there ready to fire off kind of implies that there isn't the same degree of silencing or Yes, but I, I agree that, that, that straight white men are, are not a minority. Yeah, but your, your argument is that they're being prevented from having a say or speaking up. And, I, I, and you, you, can't, you can't give me an example of in what. <clears throat> yeah, I'd, I'd really love to have five minutes to take out my headphones and, and have a think because I, I know that it's not like this is, <laughs> this doesn't look good because <laughs> I don't have things ready to go. But I just like, I, my brain's just not working that way and now it's like, oh, hey. Well, I you can have any some evidence. time if you want. Like it, that's okay. I can, I can prompt you. Is, are there the <laughs> things about... Like relation relationship dynamics, or representation in the workplace, or salary, 
or uh, I don't know conscription. It's it's quite possible that you're right that there is no hot topic for straight white men. Maybe that's right. Yeah. But should should only the that the minority of of the group whose cause it is be able to discuss it? No. Alex, should should but certain I, groups I, be I told to shut up about it? I mean, people can. If still it's thing that they don't have intimate uh, like connection with, if it doesn't actually affect someone's lives, and the only reason you're involving yourself in it is out of a sense of uh, like moral entitlement. You know, in the same way that I would argue, like, uh, why do like why do uh, like religious people get to have a say on on gay marriage if they're never going to if they're not gay and they're not going to marry people? But religions invented marriage. Well, this is probably not the point. Yeah, uh, I like if there is if there is an issue that only affects um, women. Then sure, men can have a say, but is it more important to hear their perspective than to hear women's? Definitely not. Yeah, I totally agree. So with I, it. so I, I wonder if the grievance is actually not that they don't get to have a say, but it's that that their say is not always given equal weight to other people, mm. and whether that's actually the the pat the part which is. Um, is is tough for people to stomach in this era where um, they can be told, yeah, I hear you, but it's actually not as important as X. Right. No, well, I, I definitely agree with, with how you've put it and maybe you should start writing for Junkie because <laughs> you're a lot more polite to deal with. Um. Look, I, 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 I want to give you the opportunity of fair response. If you do feel like you want, like some time between this, and we can. No, I think it's just. Can... I think. I think. Uh, I mean, it's, it's anecdotal stuff. I mean, I, I feel. I mean, I don't want to. I, I really don't want to. I'm going to look like an asshole for, for, com- or even seeming like I'm complaining about it, and I don't. It's not a complaint. It's not a complaint. And I really hate feeling like a conservative dude. Like I don't I don't see myself as a conservative person. But more and more I've I'm I'm have holding views that are just opposed with things that I think are are too far left. And I and I see myself as someone who's who probably was a, a, a bit of a lefty um, even a year or two ago, but has been pushed more to the centre by the left because of um, things that I think are completely irrational and uh, and knee-jerk uh, kind of responses to things that, uh, that I mean, shutting down conversations uh, when when it's just like uh, 
triggered, not having proper conversations about uh, Islam, for example. As soon as you want to bring up something about Islam, Islamophobe, um, as soon as you want to bring up, you know, uh, say, suggest that maybe um, the gender pay gap is not completely um, determined by just gender, just because it's just because of gender discrimination, uh, you're a sexist, you know, things like that. I mean, there's no, I just feel like the left has uh, no kind of area where you can actually discuss things that are not um, directly in their, uh, in their, in their manual. I, I think that's a very well put point. I, I agree with you. And that is one of the things that um, I feel a little bit torn about when it comes to Jordan Peterson, um, because he, uh, one of his complaints has been that uh, universities uh, have become, uh, I, I think he calls them almost Marxist, yeah. or, um, uh, you know, infected with this idea of safe spaces where the purpose of a university um, is theoretically to explore thought challenge, yeah. in, and to challenge people's perspectives. And I think you're certainly right that there is um, uh, a trend uh, in sort of the liberal, uh, the left-wing side of society to be protective of uh, people and, and I suppose minorities, but also everything outside of that, um, who... Uh, are, you know, the subject of conversation or debate um, and that there is, as you say, difficulty in actually uh, questioning the existing beliefs or, or standings of those groups without it feeling or being presented like it's an attack. I think you are you're absolutely correct there. Uh, I can see at the same time how that's come about because in a society where they haven't been protected for whatever this group is, you know, um, they haven't been protected for centuries um, with an awareness of and a voice given to these groups um, has come an opportunity for them to say, hey, it's actually sucked for us for like the past 3,000 years. So maybe we could like just chill for a bit and with the desire to uh, hear that and to try and make it easier for those people, you do risk not being able to ask those questions. Um, so when I see that, like, Jordan Peterson is getting, like, as many protests, protesters when he goes to speak at a university as he is attendees trying to get into the thing, like, I think I'm on your side there. I, f I feel like, well you should be able to have a debate at a university, right? Even if it's someone you don't agree with. Um, that, that's what That's what universities somehow have been the ones spearheading um, the silencing of free speech. They're, they are no longer... I mean, they're, they're the ones in the news that you see um, so-and-so comedian not allowed to speak or so-and-so lecturer uh, because of certain views that have been um, taken out of context maybe and, 
and thrown about in the media, not allowed to speak because of protests, and even in Australia, Ayan Hirsi Ali, right? This is a, she's a um, um, woman who, uh, I think she fleed Africa from um, a Muslim family under um, fear of death. She has become a, a spokeswoman for for women. Um, she is very anti-Islam, based on what she's based on what she's seen, um, but has has tried to be. She she got banned from talking in Australia. I don't understand how in Australia. Full stop. Full stop. Oh, actually, sorry, sorry. She maybe she didn't get maybe she didn't get banned, but the the threat, the threat of her. Uh, the threat was too big for her to come here, based on um, uh, yeah, she was she was receiving a lot of threats from people on the left saying that she is anti-Islam, uh, and that that is another thing that you don't see the left do, which is surprising. Um, that they don't they don't really speak out against Islam, which is completely. Um, <clears throat> anti-feminist well i mean there's different types of islam the uh you're right that you don't see much criticism at all in terms of you know in the middle east where it is as you say virulently anti-feminist very um patriarchal society you know but they are 2000 years they are they, they are so um Mostly because of that religion, but but people on the left are, are too scared of being called Islamophobic, so they don't touch it. Sure, but at the same time, I think they're also aware that in the country that they live in, the uh, Islamic people there are not either a subjected to the same um, traditional structures or abuses to the same extent, and b uh, not as uh, radically ascribed to the um, extremist kind of views for which you know they get painted with that brush. Um, I don't know if that's true. Um, I mean, how could how could a burqa or a hijab be anything but sexist? I uh, mean, I understand that now it's been it's it it could be seen by some women as a I mean they've take it on as a, a symbol of empowerment, maybe. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard, but, but it's, it's... I mean, from its traditional inception, it certainly had those overtones. Sorry. I don't I think, think that either of us are educated enough in Islamic law to really be able to speak to this knowledgeably. I am! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've read that book about the power of now. Um... <laughs> So One, I think I, we got off topic. We, we, we've kind of meandered, oh. but it is ultimately... This podcast should Jordan be called Pearson. Off Topic. It, off it Topic should. with Mikey and Nick. With Nick and Mike. With Nick and Mick. Oh, there oh. we go. Off Topic. Um, that would have been a good name. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a wee bit late, but um, yeah. Not for my we'll new see. podcast. If I started up a new podcast, would you be mad? Would you feel like I cheated on you? Would you start up with me involved? 
Sorry? Do I get to be on it? You can edit it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then how could I be mad? Um, Just with regards to Peterson. Yeah. um, he, He has said things which we haven't explicitly mentioned previously, which I do just disagree with. Okay. Um, you know, he, he has said, and I wrote this down, so I had a quote here. If men are pushed too hard to feminize, they'll become more and more interested in harsh fascist political ideology. Yeah. And I think some of the reason that men in particular have connected with this guy is that he speaks in terms of traditional gender roles, not exclusively, yeah. but with or to an extent that for those people who are feeling oppressed in the way that you described, it resonates. And personally, I, I, I just kind of, I don't understand how he, I don't understand the, the rationale behind a viewpoint like that. If men are pushed too hard to feminize, they'll become more and more interested in harsh fascist political, political ideology. Yeah, I've heard him say that and I don't, I don't think I fully understand it. I think his... So, some there's so many different things that um, Peterson's talked on, and you can you can pursue any kind of rabbit hole you want. You can pursue some of the like tips for a successful life kind of self help stuff. You can f- follow the um, like he does analyses of like Disney movies and things, and explains how you know the gender roles of the Lion King are, uh, represent this and that. Um, and then he goes into things like identity and this sort of stuff. So you can go in all various kinds of rabbit holes. <laughs> Sounds like and you're one obsessed of the... with this guy, mate. Sorry? Sounds like you're a bit obsessed with this guy, Nick. <laughs> He's just one of those idols, you know. <laughs> I think I just, I just, you know, find a guy and just like deep dive into his stuff and then start to imitate all his mannerisms and absorb his ideology. I see, um, what, you're, I see, what, I see what you're doing there, Nick, and I do yeah. not appreciate it. I'm just quoting yourself back to you. Um, so, but one of the things that he has, uh, he had explained in some of the videos that I watched were the traditional, or what were, were his characteristics of personalities. So I wish I'd written this part down, but there's like agreeability yeah. and, uh, or disagreeability and like, Confidence, assertiveness. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I I wish I remember the the five of them. Um, but he he basically characterizes um, three of them as sort of traditionally masculine, and a couple of them as traditionally feminine. Yeah. Um, and and one of the contexts in which that was brought up was, as you touched on earlier, the disparity in the pay gap between genders. Yeah. And his point. Um, was, as you said, that the mere fact of men and women being different was not the sole, or or, the mere fact or or concept of misogyny was not the sole contributor to the disparity in wages, that there were other factors involved as well. It was not merely men hate women, but also... Uh, women are not as assertive in the office, so they don't push for higher rates, so they don't get paid more, and and a whole bunch of other variables. Right. Um, but I I find some of his perspective on that stuff um, 
to still have a quite traditionalist conservative bent. Like, uh, men shouldn't be pushed into being feminised or shouldn't consider being more agreeable or more open is one of the other um, one of the other did, characteristics. Did, did he say men, could, men shouldn't consider being more agreeable? Is that what he said? Well, he's saying if men are pushed too hard to feminise, they'll become more and more interested in harsh fascist political ideology. So he, he's, he's said that the outcome there, he's framed the outcome in a negative term, and, and he said if they're pushed too hard to feminise, and he's previously characterised feminised characteristics as openness and agreeability. Do you not agree that we need that we need a balance of male and female uh, traits? Of course, in in men and women, like the, the genders are surely they're necessary. Sure, but, but that's they, not they what shouldn't... he's saying. He's okay. saying that you shouldn't push them at all to um, pick up feminine traits. <clears throat> Look, <clears throat> there was I was literally just watching before we um, started talking a study on male, uh, boy and girl babies, <clears throat> just uh, a couple of months old. And they showed that, um, by and large, they gave both babies, um, instead of, you know, they gave them dolls, or character, uh, traditionally girl toys, and they gave um, and they gave them also um, some mechanical toys and some trucks and some um, you know cars and things like that. And by and large, the the boys were more attracted and looked 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 for longer at the more mechanical things, and the girls were more attracted and looked longer at faces and and the dolls. Right now, I'm not I'm not saying that that there is no middle ground. I mean, of, of course there is, but I think denying that there is a difference between the genders is just ridiculous. I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that people are attempting to deny a difference between genders so much well, as they, they are questioning whether uh, characteristics commonly associated with one are superior to the other. Okay, so are you are you saying that masculine traits are seen in a more positive light than feminine traits, and that's true whether they're feminine traits in a man or in a woman? Okay, so let's let's give some examples here. So, would you say feminine traits being like like a, coming from like a maternal kind of place, and uh, masculine traits being from like a more a rational rational kind of uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to bring rationality into it. I think masculine traits are seen as disagreeable, physical, argumentative, aggressive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not not in terms of cognition. And um, you think that they're viewed more positively than if a, if a man in a workplace is assertive, which is basically aggressive without violence. Yeah. Um, that is seen as a positive characteristic. That's it's okay. For, okay. And that gets rewarded. It's not it's just that, yeah, it's not aggressive without violence. Sure. That, that, yeah, that was me being glib. But assertiveness, which is not standing up for 
something. Not just say, accepting a, a state right. of affairs, but um, pushing for your own agenda, whatever that might be. Right. Um, assertiveness in the workplace is rewarded in men. Right. Um, but women who are assertive are seen as uh, busybodies or, you know, disagreeable or... Um, bitches or you know like the framing for those traits in different genders is is very different and yet it, it, uh, Peterson's argument is that for women to succeed in the workplace they needed to be more disagreeable um, in order to get equal pay they need to be more like men effectively um, and like I, I assume you've watched that interview with like the Kathy Newman four. sorry Kathy Newman Sure. Um, and I think for the most part, she did a pretty terrible job. Um, and the way she was trying to rebut him was by actually Strong not listening to what he was saying. Yeah. Um, but I think she did make one or two decent points in the area of this whole workplace situation, which was uh, she basically pointed out, I think, that 8% of all the like top CEOs were women um, in Britain. Yeah. Um, and why should that be? Why should there not be, you know, at least some equality um, or gender parity, uh, sorry, uh, pay parity um, in that realm? And his argument was basically that... Why would they want um, Certain traits that are more common in men are indicators of success in the workplace. And women can be better at their job if they adopt those male characteristics. But he he didn't actually, and, and this was one of the, the, the points that she made effectively, um, he didn't accept that women haven't had the opportunity to lead the workplace. Um, and I think implicit in that hypothetical where uh, workplaces are predominantly led or run by women would be a potential change in hiring practices. And so he... he, he she said, well, they, ha- they haven't had the opportunity, so we don't actually know um, how it would be in a, in a society where there were, like, women at the top of the thing. And he said, well, they've had 50 years. They've, they've been sort of given the opportunity and we haven't seen anything really change in the way that um, personality types and, and these kind of traits are treated in the workplace. But I don't think he really gave that the due credence that it could be. Because as far as I can tell, if you actually had a society where women were in as many, um, or in fact 52% of the leadership positions across all industries and things, I think it's quite reasonable to expect that you might see certain personality traits no longer favoured to the same extent they are currently and other ones rewarded. And the whole idea that you need to be disagreeable to fight for a pay rise or to get the position that you feel like you're a, uh, you deserve is potentially, I can't say conclusively, but potentially a male um, perspective based on men in charge responding to traits of you know, alpha dominance in upcoming staff. And if women were in charge they might not actually reward that kind of behaviour. And it would be the, the generous or the open people to um, get those kind of rewards on an equal footing. 
do you think that why why do you why do you think why do you think that men are in those roles more than women well traditionally and sorry women... and sorry i just also want to clarify what what roles are you talking about because i do remember her saying um only the top <clears throat> there's only seven women in the top fortune five uh, 500 ceo positions yeah, something like that yeah um so but but what what are we what are we so are we talking about finance positions here? Are we talking about CEO positions? I think we're talking top of the top. Yeah, CEOs. Okay. Um, the. Sorry, what was your question before that? My question is, why do you think that men... Oh, like traditionally. First, yeah, yeah. Why have men traditionally um, had these roles? Do you well, think... Do, because traditionally, women didn't work. Women were stayed at home. They bore the children, they looked after the kids, and the man provided for them. And that had been the case for So you're basically saying that, that now it's so it's <clears throat> they men got that position because women were home um, nurturing the children, raising the children, and that it's remained a boys' club and now they're just um, giving it to other men. Uh, there's a couple of things there. I think it it was it was always men. I mean, you have, you have to remember that up until, <laughs> you know, a hundred years ago, the idea that there were any women in the workplace was bizarre. So it was, it wasn't even conceived of any other way that every working person was a man, you know? Yeah. And obviously there's generalities there, but f for the most part. Um, and so, yes, I think since, you know, women's, not women's liberation, I suppose women's liberation, like since the 60s, women entering the workforce, deciding to fight for their uh, right to live lives outside of the home and live lives independent of men, um, have clawed their way into uh, the workforce. But it has been clawing, you know. They started as secretaries, you know, typists and low-level factory positions and everything. And gradually, over the course of, what has it been, three generations, two generations since then, you're starting to see society change and people climb up the ranks. Right. So what, what, what is the ideal scenario, given that... Okay, so... Do you not want um and please like um listen to what i'm saying rather than reacting to what i'm saying do you there, there needs to be a uh a, a hierarchy competence a higher a competent uh, a high competence of uh, a hierarchy of competence <laughs> you've lost my confidence <laughs> yeah i know uh, of competence yes right right uh-huh. So why would it not be in the company's best interest when a company's interest is presumably uh, efficiency and profit? Why would it not be in their best interest to choose the best person to do that? Now, and so my, my follow-up question to that is, should we be hiring women just... Because, or because they're the best person for the job. So you're talking. You're asking the question of 
affirmative action, effectively. Do we need to actively give opportunities to women to try and... And we're speaking only women in, in this one context, but uh, to uh, bring them up to par with where men are. Um, well, we're not we're not only we're not only talking about women. I guess we're talking about we're talking about everything. All my more minorities. Yeah. yeah, in this context, okay. we're talking about sure. women. Um, I think the ultimate goal for society is one where it is a question of merit. But I think that that is a long-term goal, and it's easy to say, okay, we'll uh, we'll only hire based on merit now. Um, but that ignores the systemic problems that have existed up until this very second when you say, okay, we're not just going to hire men. And it's one thing to stop excluding people in that way, to stop, uh, you know, to, to open the doors and say, yeah, technically women are applicable to this. But you have to then consider everything else that surrounds that in terms of society's opportunities for these people so sure yes the women can be the ceo but have women had opportunities to study have they gone through school have they been able to get into college have they had access to the degrees if they had kids do they have the same uh social support to uh uh, like give, give them the access to scholarships and to child support services and daycare and and uh, do the costs of their health, you know, does, does contraception cost nothing for men but cost something for women, you know? And every step of the way leading up to this question of, okay, how many people do we actually have who can apply for this job has a myriad of factors involved at every step along the way. Right. So if you say, sure, we'll look for a 40-plus... Uh, you know, masters of finance, uh, Stanford graduate with experience in the automotive sector for our CEO job. That's one thing. And you say, we'll hire anyone. We'll hire a man or a woman. We don't care. But if you fail to then ask the question, well, how many women have the 30 years of experience that you're after? How many women have been able to go to Stanford in the generation that you're looking to how many women have you know had the kids or the family or something there that they've had to support on top of whatever study they want to do you can't just merely i I use this analogy uh, in our discussion off podcast you can't just take your your foot off someone's head and say hey we've stopped bullying you now everyone's everyone's equal now you can go do what you want you can be an astronaut you can, you can come run this automotive co- company. You have to, at least in the medium term, acknowledge that you're standing up and that this person's still on the ground. Right. And you might, in the medium term, need to at least give them a hand and lift them up so that then, when you're both standing, you can apply for the same jobs with the same opportunities all the way to that point. Okay. <clears throat> Just a couple of things here sure and uh, okay first of all totally i totally agree with everything you just said second of all um what you're talking about there is um is a quality of 
uh, creating a quality of opportunity, which is something that we both agreed that we should be doing. Uh-huh. Then you kind of lost the plot and, and said something about uh, quality of outcome. Fourth, uh, I really get a, I really gasp to pee. Um, and, and I'm, I have, I'm really, I'm really actually excited to come back and talk to you about this. Okay. Well, um, so quick, quick can you, pee. can you play some intermission music? Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. talking about uh, a quality of outcome and how uh, there are systemic issues which have prevented people from having the same opportunities. Right. Can, can I just ask you, um, I just want to clarify what your argument was when you, uh-huh. you were saying that, that um, women haven't had the, haven't had um, the same history with career that men have, they haven't had the same opportunities to education um, and for career development that men have. And so in terms of history, they're kind of new to new to that, uh, which is why we don't see many uh, as many women as men in those high kind of high-paying high roles. Is that correct? Yes, that that is... Effectively, yeah, what I was saying. I, I think it's also more general than that. I think it's true of not just the highest paying roles, but of of any kind of level of role. Um, and that it's not just a historical issue. It's still, to this day, women have different opportunities. If you're, you know, leaving high school right now as a woman, you still have different challenges compared to as a man. It's it's not It's not fixed now, is my point. Right. So when you say different talent challenges compared to a man, well, just society as as far as we're uh, the way that we um, still expect, in some ways, very traditional gender roles. Um, women have biological um, imperatives to have kids by a certain age, basically, if they want to have kids, which is not true of of men. Um, that like they. Uh, they, if they are to be like childbearing mm-hmm. uh, or to like raise kids, it, inevitably that means taking time away from a career or it means juggling it with a career. And that's not a responsibility that we ask of men in the same right. position. Um, okay. But, I mean, that's unfortunate, but... but... I mean, who, who? I mean, this is this is biology. It is, but at the same time, part of it is cultural. Part of it is, not, is is we 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 still don't ask men why are you not the one staying at home, you know, raising your kid for a year. 
Right. So, but but this is yeah. I mean, we we what we're fighting here, what we're trying to do here, is cram thousands of years of evolution, both biological and social, into uh, the last hundred or fifty years of um, cultural enlightenment. We're trying to cram that in and trying to fast track. It's not going to happen. But why? Why can't it happen? <laughs> because 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 social change is um, a, a a giant boulder that that doesn't turn easily, and it takes a lot of people. And I mean, I'm it sucks. Like it would be great if we could just change. It would be great if we could just change a bunch of things overnight. But it's just not going to happen. It's going to be a long process. You need a lot of people to slowly exactly. start churning. Exactly. Right. You take it yes. takes a lot of people. It takes right. people actively doing this. Yeah. You can't be like, why are they trying to do this? And then being like, it takes a lot of people to do this. Yes, but it just seems like you're angry at everyone. Or not you. I mean, you as a representation of, you know, <laughs> so the uh, people who are fighting for this. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry, Nick. <laughs> I'm really taking out a lot on you lately, and I, was, I just don't mean it. Um, uh, uh, what was I saying? I was too the- busy apologizing. The, which is a very unusual position to be in. I don't think I've ever, I've ever experienced that before. Um, the, that should be the title of this one. Um, the uh, oh shit! I had it and then I got distracted. Uh-huh. Uh, why are we trying to force it? The, right. uh, I think I think that is actually a, a misperception. If you think about how quickly the gay marriage thing turned from being uh, uh, controversial to a perceived inevitability, it was honestly within the space of a decade. Mm-hmm. If you had asked um, anyone in 2006 whether uh, America would have gay marriage in the next five years, they would have said unequivocally, it's never going to happen. It's the right. most religious fucking country, you know, Western country. It's all, you know, crazy fucking Texan conservatives. And it, it just, it, it seemed like an impossibility. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few years, you know, a modern family here and a, you know, a famous person coming out there and, you know, Ellen gets a talk show. And then all of a sudden, uh, and I'm being glib there, but my point remains. Yeah. It takes just a little bit of moment and then all of a sudden it's it just happened and you have sudden, like irrevocable change in the sense that it, it's not going to go back. They're not going to undo gay marriage now. It's That switch has been flipped. Now, I, okay, yes, I, I, I understand that and I agree very much. I do I, think that people's, like the, people's general perception and general perception and general people uh, meaning you know the average person the yeah. the 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 view that people have or the the perceptions that they have of um, of gay marriage are one thing i do think that gender roles and that type of thing is possibly a little bit heavier and um, a little bit probably slower to change but it will, Possibly, it will, it will but defi- who can say? I it, mean, look, it's already changed so much. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to happen. 
It's definitely going to happen. It's already, I mean, it's, it I mean, will happen arguably, within our lifeline. Like we're in the midst of it now. The yes, whole Me sure. Too movement is sure. kind of a assertion of women's rights on a scale that we haven't seen mm. actively I don't know, possibly since the 60s? I, I, I know, it feels like this is a moment in that way. I would say um, it's defi- there's definitely, there's defi- I, think, I think people will look back on this time as a, uh, as a time of, of huge change like they did in the 70s, probably even more so. But also maybe, 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 maybe in the same way that techno- technology is evolves exponentially maybe maybe people do too in a way I, maybe our morals evolve exponentially it certainly kind of seems like it's tracked the same way as technology that's a very interesting um uh, topic there and one that i almost want to say for another podcast which is is there an end point for liberalism is there a is there a is it going to start slowing down once we reach a certain level of equality? But don't answer that. We'll save that for but another I, time. Cause I like, won't answer it, but um, yeah, like I'm going to just answer it right now. Like, yeah, yeah, I've got a great answer to that. We were talking over message about um, equality of uh, opportunity versus equity, right? And you uh-huh. sent me that graphic. Uh-huh. And then you also mentioned Which, it before. Um, I'll put that graphic right now on the chapter. So if you look at your phone, you can have a look at it right now. Yeah, yeah. I was listening back to the other. Can you do that? Where, where, where's that? You put in images that come up and on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, I'm pretty amazing. on the app. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it before, actually, that that we should you, you use the metaphor. You've got if you've got your head on, you know, you've got your head on foot on someone's your head. Foot, foot on someone's head, and then you take it off and say. Um, why am I explaining your metaphor? Well, you, you're referring to it, but yeah, everyone heard it earlier. Yeah, so, okay, when we talked earlier in the week, you said that people don't have the same equality of opportunity. Um, I think you said equality of opportunity is basically unrealistic, right? Uh, equality of opportunity is currently unrealistic right? because of the... Uh, uh, the state of society. I, I think... Uh, <laughs> but it's an ideology. Yeah. I, I think ultimately, I mean, uh, opportunity and merit are, are slightly different, but ultimately I think people should have uh, equal opportunities um, <coughs> in a society where everyone has had that from go to woe, where everyone is in the same position, where... Um, black woman A and uh, gay guy B and uh, straight man C have all from birth to their current ages right now have had been presented with the same opportunities and, and there hasn't been discrimination. And then uh, whoever has the best merit or whatever the you know choice or opportunity uh, that awaits them uh, gets that, you know, Right. opportunity that wasn't a, that wasn't a well expressed sentence but they get to the point where they're treated like equals right. my um uh, addendum to that fact is that currently that's not the situation and as as we talked about previously um 
there are societal problems which have prevented people from having those opportunities in the first place, from even getting to the candidacy candidacy stage for a CEO opportunity, for even getting into the like Stanford interview room. Um, there are institutional things which prevented access to certain people. So as a medium-term goal, with the ultimate aim still being equality of opportunity, you might have to present... Uh, to, uh, you might have to help people get to that stage, whether that's by funding minority groups, whether it's by opening up the uh, minimum terms for a job to allow in less than what you had um, previously expected. But is that not creating... That is creating a, more of an equal opportunity rather than an equal outcome. But I think... Uh, because you don't want an equal outcome, though, do you, Nick? Because that's communism. If it's, uh, if it's equality of outcome, it's communism. It depends on what outcome you're talking about. If the outcome yeah, if is... Talk, okay, well, okay, for example, then quotas. If you want to, if you want to um, fill a certain number of... Uh, a specific role with a specific number of uh, any, any uh, identity group, Right, then filling yeah. quotas in that way. If you're talking about like fifty percent of the parliament's women and fifty yeah, yeah. percent men, yeah, we need. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's. I mean, is that is that is that where you, where we want to go? I think that it might be somewhere that we need to go in the medium term. How, but, Nick? If you if your dad, you're okay. Your dad has cancer, right? Yeah. He has brain cancer. I bet that you sure as hell do not want. Um, you you want nothing less than the best doctor, and if you're going to talk but, about something like Parliament, if you're going to talk about something like Parliament, you, this is you, a serious you, thing. You're going to want you, you want you want the best people. This is no, serious you keep, stuff. You keep. I mean, there's so many problems with what you just said. Um, the even if it's all men, say you're still going to want the best doctor, but not everyone's going to be able to get the best doctor. You know, just by practicality, because they cost more, because they're not in the right city. Because they're busy on the day that you wanted them. Inevitably, in a, in a whole world, some people are going to have the not best person. right? So that's already the case regardless of whether there are women, say, in this, in this example, women brought into medicine um, that are taking quote-unquote positions that would have been given to men. right? There's already a hierarchy of, of quality in, in whatever that service is. right? And then in the example of something like uh, parliament, in order to get people that a generation on have better opportunities and qualities, you might need to put women into power to remove the obstacles that had been preventing them from getting to that level already. Because invariably the majority doesn't actually see the implications and obstacles of the uh, system which has given them everything that they wanted. So it takes people who've come up through that system to be able to speak to and remove whatever systemic problems have been uh, in, in a government or in a business or in, you know, an institution. But, but you're basically saying give people, give people a leg up when they, yeah. don't, they don't have it. But that, that, but how, but that, says, that says nothing for the... Uh, for the 
competence hierarchy, right? I'm saying you might need to ignore perfectly valid candidates in order to get perspectives or representation to fix, on a broader scale, systemic problems. That's a very gentle way of saying that you're not going to necessarily hire the most competent people based on their identity. True, but that's also potentially the case now. You might be overlooking women who are perfectly capable at, say, being a surgeon, but don't have the qualifications or the experience because the system has not given them those opportunities today. Sorry, sorry, what? Wait, you're saying we might be overlooking women, like potential women, uh, female surgeons, because they don't have the qualifications or experience? No, not the qualifications, the experience. I'm saying currently... Well, of course. Of course you wouldn't. Exactly. So that's the whole point. Because you're talking that's about surgery, Nick. No, if we're talking about experience, let's say that there's a position where someone uh, needs to have 15 years experience in surgery, but those opportunities have not gone equally to women due to systemic problems. Either, you know, from an education perspective, people have not been able to get through that degree or not had access to it, or from like a hiring perspective, like a bias or a misogyny. If... If you are then advertising a job where it's like, we need someone with 15 years experience, there might be people out there who could have done that job, but who are not able to do it because they've, the system has prevented them getting to that point. So you're just going to give them the job? Giving people who have the uh, capacity to do the job <coughs> over others who could also do it. I don't like... I don't believe that you believe yourself. You You don't believe that I believe that? No. I've said it multiple times across this whole podcast. I I think you need to get people Uh, who have come through Maybe I'm hearing you wrong then because are you you saying that like someone that hasn't had the opportunity to have the experience but is still capable should still get get that job? Yes. What? I mean, it's it sucks. It sucks. I agree that they didn't have the opportunity the same as everyone else. But at the end of the day, they they don't have the experience. So what are you going to do? Like, you got to just chuck them in the role? You just got to chuck them in the deep end? Uh, I mean, look, thinking of it only in the context of medicine as a field is probably yeah, problematic. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about it in the context of politics. If, if you're talking about, uh, you know, ultimately, a politician doesn't need any qualifications, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can be any kind of dipshit and get yeah. into parliament. We know this for a fact. <laughs> so in parliament, um, I, I think that there should absolutely be more women in those positions and ideally women chosen over men because currently men are making most of the decisions for this country. Um, but there are more women in this country than there are men. Now, so I think, I think, I do think politics is, sorry, po- sorry to interrupt. Um, no, I'm not. Politics is an interesting one because politics is, politics is a field unto itself because it's people making decisions that, let's be honest, uh, they are, they are somewhat, you know, I'm generalizing, but somewhat informed by experience and, um, uh, in that field and education in that field 
but also look it's not like a specialized kind of thing this like they are just it's it's making decisions right yeah it, i mean it's listening to kind of lobby groups almost like you don't even yes. have to be an expert in a field you just need to navigate the realms of what the lobbyists want what society right. wants and what the budget allows yes and i do i do think that in especially in politics we could do with <coughs> um, a gender split would 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 serve everyone better i think that politics. there are also uh, like i would say that there are the majority of jobs where or at least a significant portion of jobs where you could put in someone uh, where the consequences of choosing someone under uh, qualified by, you know, on paper, on paper, uh, where the consequences of having them in that position are relatively minor and their ability to actually get up to speed is pretty good. And the benefits of having a new voice or perspective in that role may actually be uh, better for the company in the long run and better for the culture as well. Yeah, I agree. And so as a result, I I think that you might have to uh, give people the leg up to get them into the roles in, you know, across the next 30 years so that then when it comes to 2050 and a generation has come up where there's been women and minorities and different viewpoints other than the traditional, you know, straight white men who have been running the show for millennia, uh, that when, you know, the black woman, the gay man and the white man um, get to that same job interview or university presentation or whatever, they are all on an equal footing and you can pick the one who has the most merit. So you're, you're saying, I'm starting to visualise what you're saying. And I think, um, so basically you're saying we, we should probably swallow as a society a, a slight, maybe a slight dip in performance over certain professions in order yeah. to give those uh, groups get those groups to get around um, the skills and experience that they need in order for yeah. us all to eventually come out on top. But it may but it may take a slight dip in performance now. Yeah. But I would argue also as well, I mean, it, it depends on the interest, industry, but um, productivity in the workplace has grown exponentially in the past 40 years. You know, every uh, person in, in every industry is contributing uh, and creating and producing more for their employer than in any time previously. Um, due to automation, due to computer systems, the amount of work that gets pumped out of a workday is bigger than ever before. Yeah. And all that has really amounted to has been the bottom lines of, of companies. It hasn't translated into, oh, you've been much more productive, Michael. Um, why don't you just do like a four-hour day and we'll pay you the same because you got all your work done in that amount of time. Yeah. So they've already actually... Um, in this, you know, past several decades, seen incredible advances in what they've been able to achieve. So any quote-unquote minor dip, uh, you know, by bringing in voices or people that haven't had those opportunities 
is really in the context of an otherwise pretty linear productivity growth for most of society anyway right and i'm look i'm all for i'm all for the uh for the broader picture and i always will be basically in any argument but if like we are we are talking in certain industries that's going to i think that's going to um really affect certain individuals the dip in in performance potentially absolutely that's exactly i right? mean that's kind of part of the social contract isn't it yeah i mean sometimes you, you you pay tax so that other people get benefits you know sure well i mean it i think for for some people it could be could cost them their lives though i don't think it's just a financial thing yeah i mean i guess the counter argument is there are people whose entire lives are full of no opportunities so yeah. it, it, it's it's look, look, I totally, always I, totally, I do totally agree with you to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always going to be costs for any decision. It's right. society, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, this is um this has been a fairly meaty one. I've got no idea exactly how I'm going to treat this because it's not there's not really fluff in the middle that I can <laughs> trim out. So maybe it's like a part one, part two kind of sitch. I don't know. I know how it's going to come out. It's going to be like Michael. Do you think all women should be paid the same? And then it's going to be edited, so it's going to be like, Nick, I do not think that all women should be paid the same rate. Women are uh, so that men. Mm. Communist. Like, Nick, you communist. <laughs> Hashtag communism. <laughs> like, no, Nicholas. I said community and fascism. Yeah. And you melded them together like an asshole. Come here, fascism. <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Interesting guy. Interesting guy. Well, yeah. That's just my wrap-up. Oh, um, well, yeah. It did, uh, well, Nick, it, it depends where you are in the dominance hierarchy. And it depends what you mean by equality. Impression of the week. Dumb. Bang. Very good. Very good. You did say that you could do a Peterson. Uh, uh, you know, ben, ben sent me a message yesterday. He said, I at work. Because um, I told him I've been working on my Jordan Peterson. Uh-huh. And he's like, are you at work? I was like, yeah, I'm at work. And he was like, fuck. Because I was literally just going to call you. And he said he's been working on his Sam Harris impression. And he, <laughs> he was going to call me as Sam Harris with no no context. Uh-huh. And introduce me as Jordan Peterson and hope that I'd just get it and then and then jump his jordan peterson and he'd do his ham harris i was like (laughs) fuck that's a great idea i hope he does it again (laughs) yeah that's awesome (laughs) um point of order oh god what have uh, i done now you somewhat controversially um and and the feedback has been furious uh launched a new segment last week do you remember what it was called? Fun facts. <laughs> it's called no. It's called Mikey's facts. Michael's facts. Yeah. Because fun facts, of course, my segment. Just notice it's kind of like a blue sheen on your face, Michael. Like uh, <laughs> you've leant closer to the keyboard, and your screen has kind of illuminated your Nick, face. What you're actually picking? Because because you, you 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 promised, and then I remember this. Every week, brand new fact. Tune into Deep Fork and a brand new Mikey's fact for Mikey's segment. Correct. Michael's facts. Correct. 
And Nick, what that blue shade that you've mentioned is actually what you're picking up is my aura, oh. which actually took you long enough, but thank you for eventually picking it up, you jerk. It looks very, like, sickly. It's giving you yes. a very unwell sort of... Unfortunately, I have a sickly aura. <laughs> not all auras are good. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> it's not fun facts. It's Michael facts. <laughs> Um, so Six I facts. guess I'm just ready for this week's uh, Michael's Facts. I mean, yeah. can we have the theme song, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a famous I was going uh, to create Michael's a facts. poll about um, which, uh, which, which jingle we should go for. Um, but I decided to just create the poll in my mind. And uh, my jingle won, Nick. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm looking it forward was close, to it because I've got mine like, oh, ready okay. to go. And mm-hmm. it seems I'm very confident because you obviously Look, why have your jingle why just ready to go. So Nick, you, you why know, don't we alternate? Why don't we alternate? Why don't we alternate? How about um? You just, why doesn't the segment have two jingles? Because uh, it's got different names. True. Different. But names. They are the same thing. Uh, well, uh, not convinced. Uh, but th- that's all right. Michael's fact every week guarantee of a great fact from Michael. Do the jingle. Okay. Michael's facts, Michael's facts, facts machine. Oh, here's a bonus fact. If you've got knowledge, I'll look it up. Cause Michael's facts is here for you. Oh, I was I was ready to just fucking applaud you because I was so confident that that you didn't remember that theme song and you got. So far through that, I was thinking, shit, he's actually remembered this song. It's unbelievable. And then you fucked up the end. But, um, and Michael's facts are here to stay. That's how it ends. That's the <laughs> <end>. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> Michael's facts are here to stay. What the fuck? Check the tape. Well, I guess they are facts. If they're facts, they're, they're here forever. They forever. Okay, quick facts, right? Quick facts. <laughs> Don't ask me like you need an explanation for this segment. Just right. go, just launch into it. No, because last week it was like a long-winded one. This one's a short, cool, rapid-fire one. All right, the Spanish Spanish national anthem. No words has no words in the Spanish national anthem. Spanish national anthem. No words. <laughs> well, Not that a certainly word. is a U fact. Yeah, play us out. If you've enjoyed this kind of nonsense for either the past hour and 41 minutes or the past two podcasts cut into like 45 minute intervals uh well i have some great news there's uh plenty more of it out there in the interwebs you can find it at deepfort.podbean.com you can find it at facebook.com forward slash deepfort join in some of the polls is that Twitter.com slash deepfort. It's uh, iTunes.com slash deepfort. That's not true, but iTunes is an app. And uh, it's still on LinkedIn, but I wouldn't bother. LinkedIn.